You know, the prophets in the time of Jeremiah were false, but Jeremiah was not a false prophet. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we are taking a look at this question of the prophets today. It's going to be a very interesting day as we study Jeremiah chapter 28. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey, what's going on? I'm going to be taking a look at a city that's specifically mentioned by Jeremiah and was used by the invading Babylonians. Ryan? Today, my focus is on the origin of the Ammonites and the Moabites. All right, very good. Uh, Janice, what are we going to do today? Well, it is Friday, so we have our Friday wrap-up question of the week. I can ask a question anywhere from Jeremiah 7 through 28. I hope you've done your reading. So a lot of people are, are standing by because they mm -hmm. always text you afterwards. Yes. And they're going to find out. So get ready because this is a great time. The Bible IQ or the Bible question is awesome. Very good, let's study. Jeremiah 28, verses 1 through 11. And it happened in the same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azur the prophet, who was from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and of all the people, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. And I will bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord. For I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people who stood in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen, the Lord do so. The Lord perform your words which you have prophesied to bring back the vessels of the Lord's house and all who were carried away captive from Babylon to this place. Nevertheless, hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who have been before me and before you of old prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. As for the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, the prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly sent. Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, Even so I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon from the neck of all the nations within the space of two full years. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Jeremiah chapter 28, verses 1 through 11.
Today we read Jeremiah 26, 27, and chapter 28 as we go through the Bible in one year. It's part of our journey through the world's best-selling book. You know, most people love the attention of man, and some do crazy things to attract attention. Have you noticed? Now, we've been taught through the life experiences that a great way to grab and keep attention is to, to say or do something to the population that is spectacular. What television, radio, internet, live event does not consider is the audience well-being, their likes, their needs, and their wants. They all battle to stay relevant to keep audiences, especially in the news. Now, prophets from ancient times also competed with audiences to gain attention. But problems would arise, however, when a message that God gave was not popular. And what would happen if the message did not serve the audience's desires and instead confronted them about their lifestyles? The Word of God does this to us regularly. It is not only confronting, it's confrontational. And when we read the Bible, we are forced to consider changing the way we think or we process ideas. And that sometimes is a problem. We need to remember, God is talking to us. God doesn't just say nice things to us. We need to pay attention to what he says, because what he says will involve our lives and will make us better. Our best life does not happen here. It happens, of course, when we get to eternity. Now, with that in mind, take your Bible guide, turn to today's passage. It is interesting, Jeremiah 28, 1 to 11, 11 verses here that we're going to study And as we do so, I would say that if you don't have a Bible guide, why not? Write to us or call us. We'll send you a Bible guide. Be happy to. Or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on the page and it'll take you to a donate page. And may I say thank you so much during this time, these frivolous times. Thank you for your commitment uh, for donations and to keep us alive. It's very, very good. So we're going to talk about false prophets in a time when we're reading through Jeremiah. And Father, I pray today, as we consider false prophets, that you would teach us your way and show us your path, because this is important. A lot of us just like to watch television to see what we can get. But Lord, you put us here to talk to each other. It's called fellowship about what God says. And there are many who have said things God says that God didn't say. You did not say, Lord. So help us to learn what your word says and understand it in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, look at the first verse, because this is very interesting. Chapter 28, when there's four verses here, and you've already read it, but let's read it slower. And it happened in the same year at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, In the fourth year and in the fifth month that Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet who was from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priest and of all the people, saying, it's in front of everybody, verse 2, thus speaks the Lord of hosts. How many times have I heard people say that to me? Thus speaks the Lord of hosts. The God of Israel saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. 
Within two full years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. And I will bring back to this place Jehoiakim, the son of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, with all of the captives of Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord. For I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. This is absolutely fascinating, beloved. The false prophet Hananiah spoke conditions against Jeremiah. God's prophets do not lie. Now, there are a lot of people who are on television today, or they're in the midst of our our viewing, and they're speaking wrong things. God did not tell them that. Now, we have seen that in the last election. We have seen that in a lot of ways. Beloved, we need to read the Bible, read the, understand what the Bible says. There are many prophets, and it's like reading today's newspaper when you look at it and consider it carefully. So, beloved, we need to pay attention to the prophets. When people say, thus says the Lord to you, I would check the Bible first to make sure what they say is correct. Very, very important. Let's go on and see what happened. 28 verse 5 says, Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priest and the presence of all the people who stood in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. The Lord do so. The Lord perform your words, which you have prophesied to bring back the vessels of the Lord's house and all who were carried away captive from Babylon to this place. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, hear now this word that I speak in your presence, in your hearing, and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who have been before me and before you of old prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. As for the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, the prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly sent. Okay, now this brings me to point number two. Jeremiah claims that a true prophet of God will speak and it will happen. If you claim to have a word from the Lord, be sure it's a word from the Lord and not your own idea. There's a lot of people speaking what they feel instead of really considering and hearing what God said. Now, that's been violated seriously over the past 50 years, and we need to pay attention to it. Quickly, let's go on to the next passage, 10 to 11. Jeremiah 28. Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke off the prophet Jeremiah's neck, and he broke it. And Hananiah spoke in in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, Even so, I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations within the space of full of two full years. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. That brings me to this point. The false prophet made it clear his words to the people and said, thus says the Lord. But he didn't. Remember that God never changes his word. We must know the Bible. We must know the word of God. Because if we don't know the word of God, then we're listening to people and their opinions of God. 
Beloved, today, let's focus our attention on knowing the word of God. And Father, help us today to understand what it says. Teach us your ways. And when I say this, Lord, this is what I mean. When I say, show us your paths, I'm talking about how you would handle things. Everybody has ideas. But Lord, we are interested in discovering what you think and what you want us to do, not what everybody else wants us to do in social media. Help us to understand that your word is sovereign and it reigns. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Today's reading is Jeremiah chapters 26 to 28, and I'm focused specifically on chapter 27, in which God addresses several kings of various people groups. Among these are the king of the Moabites and the king of the Ammonites. Now, these two people groups were enemies of Israel, and they didn't serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, of course, they could have chosen to forsake their false gods and idols and turn to the living God and become his sons and daughters. As a matter of fact, Ruth was a Moabitess who did exactly that. And not only did God graft her in spiritually, but also physically as she became part of the genealogical line leading to the Messiah, Jesus. And she even has a book named after her in the Bible. And in that book, it explains that she was the great grandmother of King David. But what is the origin of the Moabites and Ammonites? Well, that's what my segment today documents. Check it out. As if Lot had not already sufficiently tested the grace and mercy of God by tarrying so long in Sodom prior to its destruction, he dares now to barter over real estate also. Though God in his wisdom instructs him to flee to the mountains, Lot pleads that he be allowed to escape instead to the small city of Zor. Although God graciously grants his request and even spares that city from the impending destruction, Lot later leaves that place in favor of those mountains because he was afraid to dwell in Zor. Why Lot grew fearful of living there isn't entirely clear. Maybe he realized that the city was just as morally depraved as Sodom was and thought that it too would eventually be destroyed. It's also possible that the citizens of Zor didn't want Lot living there because as the sole surviving family, they may have been seen as suspicious. Whatever the reason, Lot decides to take his daughters up into the refuge of the mountains to become cave dwellers. Their former life of riches and luxury was over. Worse still, Lot's decision now to move to such a remote location also had unexpected consequences. Indeed, as the eldest sister explains, our father is old and there is no man on the earth to come into us. Considering that they had just come from Zor, which was still inhabited, her words are rather surprising. Were the men of Zor unavailable? If indeed the people there saw Lot's family as a bad omen, then their men may not have been willing to marry them. While we can only speculate, Lot's daughters conclude that their isolated existence will make finding husbands next to impossible. And so, they resort to a truly abominable act. Come, says the firstborn, let's make our father drink wine and we'll lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. 
For two consecutive nights, they get their father so drunk that he doesn't even realize what's transpired. Thus, both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. To the elder sister was born Moab, a name literally meaning from father. His descendants were known as the Moabites. And to the younger was born Ben-Ami, meaning son of my kin, who became the father of the Ammonites. It is highly ironic that Lot had earlier offered up his two daughters to the Sodomite mob, but in the end, he himself is hoodwinked into an illicit union with them. Truly, the women's judgment concerning how to resolve a difficult situation is as unacceptable as their father's is. And while the Bible never openly condemns the incident, the fact that the women knew their father would never willingly consent to such an act shows that it was unnatural. And even though Lot's poor life choices led him to this tragic point, God still preserved his life, primarily because God remembered Abraham, but also because in God's eyes Lot was righteous, and God does not destroy the righteous with the wicked. You know, this legacy of Lot is really, really tragic. And as I mentioned in the segment, while the Bible doesn't openly condemn this act by Lot's daughters, it doesn't have to because the very fact that Lot wouldn't have willingly consented to it shows that it was wrong. But instead of prayer or the investigation of facts, they decided to go the way of the Sodomites. And even though this episode does predate the Mosaic Law, which strictly forbids incest, it appears that there was some sort of a proto-law. Remember, even by Cain and Abel's time, God had standards for sacrifices, which you can read about in Genesis chapter 4. And Noah was instructed to distinguish between clean and unclean animals in Genesis chapter 7. And if that's not enough, the well-known laws of Hammurabi were contemporary with this time period as well and forbade these kinds of unions. But as the old adage goes, Lot could take his daughters out of Sodom, but he couldn't take Sodom out of his daughters. And what resulted was the people groups of the Moabites and the Ammonites who became terrible enemies of Israel. It really wasn't a good situation. This is uh, interesting because there's a kind of, you talk about a proto-law and there's a kind of knowledge that you have and and even you see this in children you know raising your children there's mm -hmm. a knowledge they have of what's good and what's not good yep and you have to teach them how to perform that good because you, you can't you know people teach them sometimes the wrong way but you mm -hmm. have to teach them no you need to discipline yourself and you need to morally do this thing the right way yeah uh, lying don't lie don't cheat don't steal and so on I find that fascinating, but that's really true. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just wanted to point out as well, you know, who was it who made the first animal sacrifice? It was God in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, right? He had to show them the cost of sin, what it took, right? It took the blood of an innocent animal. So I just think it's interesting that there was even a law back then. So there was definitely standards right from the very beginning. And the, you know, the, that would have been shocking for Adam and Eve because, I mean, they saw the creation of events, but they didn't see the destruction. Well, they saw also the destruction. Mm -hmm. And to witness the destruction of life yeah. uh, in an animal, that's what, what they were assigned to take care of uh, because they sinned. Yeah. Uh, this would have been a really shocking thing, and uh, it, it really is something. Thank you, Ryan. Good report. Corey? All right. Well, today we're going to be looking ahead to our assigned reading that we're going to get over the weekend. So I wanted to focus in on Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15, which says this. This is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. <clears throat> 
So in this chapter, Jeremiah is looking forward to the Babylonian invasion and destruction of Judah and Jerusalem and how the Babylonians are going to be uh, taking exiles with them uh, back into captivity uh, and back to the Babylonians' home. And they're going to be using the city of Ramah as a place of deportation. And so Rachel here, one of the, the matriarchs of Israel, she's she becomes an archetype of all the mothers of Israel crying and weeping because their family life is no more. It's forever changed, forever different. So let's take a look at what we can learn about this city that was used as a Babylonian deportation center. Five miles north of Jerusalem lies the ancient city of Ramah, which was a part of the territory of Benjamin. Ramah enjoys a role in several key biblical narratives, perhaps because of its relatively central location in Israel. From the area of Ramah, the famous prophet and biblical judge Deborah successfully led Israel through times of warfare. The final judge of this time period, Samuel, was also originally from Ramah and once grown made his home and an altar to God there. Due to Ramah being the home of Samuel, many believe that this was where young Saul was anointed the first king of Israel. In the narrative of Saul being anointed, the city is not actually named, but it is mentioned that Saul was in the region of Benjamin, that Samuel was living in the city where Saul went, and that there was a high place or an altar there used to worship God. After the time period of the United Monarchy of Israel, the kingdom split into two and Ramah, located near to the new border, would periodically switch between Israelite and Judean control. 1 Kings 15 tells us that at least once during Israel's history, Ramah was used as a declaration of war by Israel against Judah. The king of Israel began to fortify the city with the goal of being able to control entry and exit and thus economic trade into both countries. A few generations later, Ramah would again be used during a time of warfare, but this time, after northern Israel had ceased to exist as a kingdom. Judah had unsuccessfully faced a Babylonian invasion, Jerusalem had fallen, and Judah's citizens were being deported into exile. The prophet Jeremiah records that Ramah was used as a type of sorting center or holding place for Judean exiles on their way to Babylon. It was at Ramah that Jeremiah was released from his chains and allowed to stay in Judah, leaving behind the many of his kinsmen who had refused to listen to God. This very scenario had been foretold to Jeremiah in the form of a lament of God. A voice was heard in Ramah, a lament with bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now, what's really interesting about Jeremiah 31 verse 15 that talks about Ramah is that you're going to notice as we continue reading through the scriptures that the gospel author Matthew brings this back up and he applies it to Jesus. So this is an example of a prophecy having a dual purpose of being filled and then fulfilled, uh, if you will. It's, it's how some people like to phrase it. Now, <clears throat> it's a really interesting study to look at how Matthew and the, the other disciples and apostles of Christ viewed Christ not only as the Messiah of Israel, but in some very real ways as representing Israel itself. So there's it, so much depth to the prophecy of the Bible that begins in the Old Testament and continues on through the New. One of the amazing things is, is that you take a, a gentleman like John and he saw Jesus Christ before he was, uh, you know, uh, believed that he was Jesus Christ. He mm -hmm. saw him die on the cross. Mm -hmm. And he saw him in, in, you know, 
Jesus said, behold your mother, behold your son. Mm -hmm. And then he sees him raised from the dead. Then he sees him ascend to heaven. Then he sees him again in Revelation. So, right, in a vision, yeah. So John is like shocked at all of this. And I find that interesting because he's the one that tells us. And, and I don't know what John would have thought. He's the one that tells us, I've seen Christ in these states and he has changed the world. So when John says it, it has a lot of credibility. Very, very important. Thank you, Corey. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, we have the question. We do. Indeed. Which is? It's Friday question. Anywhere from Jeremiah chapter 7 through to 28. Are you ready, Corey and Ryan? Ready. We're Are you see. ready yet? <laughs> All right. Yes, we will see. What was the name of the false prophet who took the yoke off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it? Was that Hananiah, Azur, or Josiah? This is an easy one. What do you think? Well, we have a lot of people that this is their very first time. Rod, reading through the Bible. And so it isn't simple for some. And there's a lot and of names in there. There's, yeah. there's several prophets that are named. Mm -hmm. yeah. So specifically in the book of Jeremiah, we're looking for the false prophet who took the yoke off of Jeremiah's neck and broke it. Was that Hananiah, Azur, or Josiah? What say you, Ryan and Corey? Yeah, mm -hmm. we're going to go with <laughs> Hananiah. Yes. Option right. A. Option A, and you at home, if you chose that option, you are absolutely right. And you can check me on that and Ryan and Corey on that. Jeremiah 28 verse 10 says, Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. That's a part of the reading that we had last week. Now Hananiah was a prophet of God, but he was... He seemed to have allowed his visions and his own personal feelings to interrupt his, the flow of God to him. And that's how false prophets, that's how they begin. They don't begin necessarily bad, but they, they come to a place where their prophecies aren't seen and they don't happen. And so God uh, tells us that we have to stay close to him. So stay close to the Lord today. Read the Bible. This is absolutely fascinating. Have a great weekend. Go to church this weekend. And uh, also remember that when you do go to church, you go to church to praise God. You don't go to church to see what you can get. Today we need to pray, and as we do so, we've followed up the prayers that we've already listed on the screen. But let's pray together, you and I. Father, I pray today that you would help us to know who you are. And if people are listening, don't know you, come into our lives. Forgive us of our sin. We know you died on the cross and rose again, and we need you in our life. Give us a new life. Give us your Holy Spirit and help us to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.